you are listening to the sound of freedom. freedom. Welcome to Talk Sucker. This is episode... 23. 23. Sweet number 23. That's my age. Cool. Here, I'll, I'll be turning 23. Not yet. Yeah, but once or twice this year, he will turn 23. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never tell. This is a special episode because it's about two shows that are sort of similar in the same vein. Well, one is a show, one's a show one's a movie. and one is a movie. Yeah. And we were talking about Apple TV's Visible out on television. And also we were talking about... Disclosure. Disclosure. From Netflix. Now, we saw Visible first, right? Yeah. We saw Visible first. They're similar in many ways. Yeah. I think we both agreed that Visible was better. Yeah, the thing that I felt just to start off with is that because Visible had a more general scope, it had a lot more content to work with because like Visible is about all LGBTQ people, whereas Disclosure focuses on the transgender experience on television. And that's why they had less to work with. Right. And I think that a lot of it was covered in Visible. Yeah. And in ways that I guess I thought were just better in some ways. And not that Disclosure was bad. It was great. I'd say, sure. I wouldn't dissuade anyone from watching it. Yeah. But I would say that I liked Visible better. Yeah. Uh, same. But also, we're, we're probably biased because we're gay and none, neither of us is trans. That's true. We're like, oh yeah, get to this gay stuff that we can relate to <laughs> as opposed to waiting around. Like imagine being a trans person and you're watching Visible and you're like waiting around for the trans stuff to come up. I did think that there was fairly a lot of trans stuff in Visible. It was, but it was interspersed over large periods of time. The trans stuff on Visible. Visible was spread out over the episodes and then it was finally talked about at length near the end. The issues that I felt like might be experienced by trans people on Visible is that some of the trans subjects were spread out over many episodes and then talked about it at length at the end. Whereas on Disclosure, it was all trans people all the time. Besides that, I feel like also trans people would be able to, to see out on TV and be able to learn from it and understand things from it as well as just general queer people. And, and even just straight people could learn from Visible as well. Because Visible, one, one thing that I did think was good about Visible is that they went into really big details on like so much because they had a lot more time to work with. They had many episodes because it was like, five or six episodes of visible five episodes anyway so let's start talking about visible visible starts off with the dark ages they deemed to be like the darkest time in like gay culture where it was like basically like not allowed at all to be shown in television because of certain laws there were lots of old strange censor laws for different things like at one point you couldn't show a bad person not getting their comeuppance at the end like if someone was robbing a bank they had to like die in a shootout or get caught by the police or something you know yeah. there were all those strange rules because they thought that movies would influence people and i guess in some ways they do influence people but you know yeah Visible sort of felt like the celluloid closet back when that came out. And they even talked about the celluloid closet during it, right? Yeah. The celluloid closet would be more so... I think in the celluloid closet, they more so... Talk about movies and stuff. Talk about movies and a lot of the sort of hidden gay messages yeah. or issues and ideas because that's why it was like the closet right because yeah. they were like these people are here but they're not really allowed to say what they are yeah they're supposed to hide behind codes and stuff i guess for such a long time it was such a popular idea because even when we were watching visible at least one notable time when they outed someone to me right yeah same i think it was uh it was that lawyer from that black and white TV show who wears the big suits. Raymond Burr, who plays Perry Mason. Yeah, Perry Mason. And the thing that was weird about it was, I think maybe I'd heard before, 
but I'd forgotten it just because it's not something I associate with him. And I was like, oh, he's gay. And then Tim Gunn was yeah. like, Perry Mason is gay. You know, he probably yeah. called him Raymond Burr. Yeah. Hmm. I really think that that really shows how closeted he was because like Tim Gunn didn't know you know that was like his era of television watching you know and I guess just being a famously gay person in entertainment you think that they would know yeah someone else yeah because Raymond Burr was a big deal I've told you this story before when Godzilla was a big hit in Japan and they you know American production or distribution company acquired it to show in the states they filmed a bunch of nonsense scenes with Raymond Burr like where he's getting knocked about in a library by himself and just other things that when you know he wasn't in the actual movie seem extra funny <laughs> but otherwise you might let it pass just because you're like oh he's so famous he's such a big deal yeah and Raymond Burr isn't it true <laughs> And one of the things that I liked about Visible, I guess, was because I didn't know a lot of the things. A lot of those images were super old. Sure, I'd heard about that documentary or that first reality show about the Loud family. And I'd heard about that TV show that had, like, the first gay character, like, the first openly gay character on TV. Or he was openly bisexual, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. But I hadn't exactly seen those images yeah. or, like, knew that much about it. James had told me that there were some nightmarish things about the Billy Crystal first out gay character. And then, you know, it summed it up nicely, like, all those things. And I was like, oh, wow, what, what a nightmare, you know? Yeah. I, as a young person, had zero idea about most of the stuff that was on Visible. And, like, I felt like everything was new to me and I learned a ton of information from it. There must have been some stuff you're aware of. Maybe not the Ellen show, like that it was a scripted sitcom and when it came out that she came out on the show, but you know Ellen as a gay icon. Yeah. Right? I knew Ellen was gay and I knew that it was a big thing when if she became gay. Well, like, yeah, I know came out. by that you mean, yeah, yeah. When, when she, in her Be show... It publicly became gay. Came, came out and, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because I think when you say when Ellen became gay, yeah. I took it to mean when Ellen, the idea who is a character on a TV show, became, yeah. like, the out. Like, Ellen is a little bit about her experience with that, you know, yeah. crossing the threshold. I think sometimes when one goes back to shows like that, they seem so basic in the modern pejorative sense of the word, and they seem so elementary but the thing is that at the time they hadn't addressed those issues yeah so in lots of those instances when one sees something that seems like a little bit you know easy or like first day you're like well it was early days with them yeah being able to actually talk about it were there any of the shows or projects that you wanted to watch further because you were like oh wow mm. it's either because it's important or intriguing or a little bit to horrify yourself or what i think things that interested me for example were like that show that you said the real world that you said that everyone watched when it came out yeah yeah here's the thing with real world sometimes it's a lot of fun to watch and it's a lot of fun to watch when everyone's watching it during the moment i don't know how it would have aged yeah, well. yeah. I, I i don't think it has aged well but i i think it was in, it's interesting to think that like so many people of all sorts of backgrounds of like being young people would just watch it and like understand and identify with the characters yeah and they've made that show they're still making the real world it's bizarre to me people still watch it you know it's popular yeah i feel like you're not the target demographic anymore is why maybe you're well, not he drawn to here's it. the thing i just think it's gotten bad you know i think at one point i think this is the thing it's one of those great mtv shows because the target demographic is different for different ideas because, like, Real World was, you know, it was the first huge reality show of the moment. Obviously, they'd had shows before that showed different things, like, you know. But it was, like, the first in that new era when there was so much reality about to come out on TV, you know. Yeah. And it did some of those things, like, so fantastically well in that time. I actually have known people that work for MTV, and they're like, many of those things are architected. And not to say that they're fake, but in one season, people were getting along too well. So one of the producers broke the hot tub 
and everyone was like at each other's throats <laughs> immediately That's and just hilarious. yeah just things like that where it's not fake but in some situations like they're setting them up yeah you know and the other thing is is that when it first started there weren't like all these weird age limits i think they only implemented one age limit the first two or three seasons you could be any age after that i think you had to be under 26 or under 27 so relatively like young adult looking people but they've done lots of interesting things on the show they also now to me the last time i checked in with it it just seemed like they try to get them locked in together and i don't mean literally but i mean put them in a situation where they have lots of access to time and alcohol and bad ideas yeah and it's not as much fun as it used to be you know? uh, but i hear that doing the current season of real world and quarantine <laughs> the real world yeah it's just seven it's just a zoom meeting <laughs> that they're constantly in because that's the thing in real world you live there for like several months and like yeah they film constantly everything that's going on so you know mm -hmm. but at the time it was cool that there was like this out gay character and it was like a more realistic thing and like the people had yeah. to interact with each other and like a more it was a thing that wasn't always seen before and even though again lots of it was uh architected in ways it was intriguing and interesting one thing i do want to watch because of what i saw on visible the first season of survivor i think it's interesting that they talk about it they're like because it was reality tv they were able to have this machiavellian gay character on it and like i think that's interesting the winner of the first season of survivor was one of the archetype sort of villain characters that every reality show and every competition-based show would later try and have someone who is disarming with certain things about them you know and who was also he like leaned into being a villain you know it's pretty great and then probably not so strangely he got in legal trouble afterwards right <laughs> i have zero idea i oh. had no not heard anything about this character at all since richard hatch I guess because it happened so long ago. There's two Survivor seasons a year, but it was still, you know. Survivor Quarantine Island. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. What other shows did they watch that you would watch? Like that Billy Crystal one? I'd watch it, but... I don't think it'd be very good. And I think we'd be like, oh, wow, this is like they're raking us across the coals here by having everything be about X, Y, Z, you know? What's the Billy Crystal show again? It was the one where he was the first gay character. First gay character or the first openly bisexual character. I think every manner of misfortune befell him. Like, I think he died of, like, you know, AIDS at the end of it. And I can't remember, but it seems like one of those shows where kind of horrible things would happen yeah. to him because they were like, that's what happens if you're like this, you know? Yeah. I don't know necessarily about the shows that I would watch, but let me talk about the shows that I would not want to watch. Uh, I would definitely not want to watch, what's it called? Ellen? <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't watch Ellen. <laughs> really? I don't think it would age well, because I think that a lot of times those very standard sitcoms, a few years removed, and you can really tell which lines are clunky and which you know episodes are clunky that being said i think ellen is delightful and i think that and i mean ellen the person i know she's behind the eight ball right now do you know anything about this current no. ellen business i hear i, I yeah I, all i've heard is what you've told me that like people are unhappy with ellen because of she's not nice or something i'll go through and again i only know what my phone forces me to know or what people refer to on twitter i don't really investigate a lot into it i'm not heavily invested but i'll say this she seems like a good, decent person, and when you are that big and, like, so many people rely on you, obviously you will probably be a little bit weird in ways that normal people might find alarming. Like, there was some report that, oh, it was, like, a toxic workplace, and I don't know about that. I've never been there, but lots of workplaces, and especially ongoing big deal things where there's, like, lots of stuff going on, and, you know, what's that expression that, like, feces rolls downhill? There's lots of people with, like, ego trips who are also, like, stressing out over something that in the long run in the grand scheme of things is not that important but they get treated as if it is for many reasons and since the quarantine started she was going to do her show from like her house and then people were upset because some people were like not going to get paid and then everyone was like she is mean can you imagine she's doing this that being said i don't know anything about the labor conditions specifically or the pay it's probably a place where a lot of people get paid fairly handsomely for things that let's be honest whoever's waiting in line to do that job could do almost as well as they do 
you know? And then people were like, Ellen is a mean person. And it's like, again, I don't know her personally, but she is a business that runs all the time being herself and doing these things. And in general, she seems to me like a good person who works hard. And that's one of the things you have to deal with. One thing that someone said was they were like, she wants to be like nice, but she does it by being like super mean. And there was this one clip that I watched on Twitter where someone was like, this is like a year ago, Ellen accused this person of not inviting her to her birthday party. And then she was on a year later. And Ellen was like, why didn't you invite me to your birthday party? And she's like, actually, I did, Ellen, and you just didn't come. And she's like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, because last year you gave me so much grief about not inviting you to my birthday party. So I went out of my way to invite you and you didn't show up. And so people were like, she's mean-spirited and stuff like that, you know? That being said, also, I feel like Ellen is like a grown woman who's business it is to be herself and to have this company that runs where she produces content and this and that and so she likely doesn't have the opportunity to go to every birthday party to which she is offered i told you that one time i worked with britney spears and i overheard a private conversation where she was talking about how she hadn't been invited to her cousin's birthday party and she was like hurt obviously and they were like honey you're so busy like we just didn't think you had time to go to like your cousin's birthday party and she was like i don't know i wasn't invited and it would have been nice to be invited you know (laughs) and like to me you know i know it's a weird thing to think of but i i think of sometimes working with britney spears made me like realize this peek into like this bizarre place where she's such a big deal that the people that know her super well are scared to come to her with that not thinking like not wanting to think it's an imposition like everyone's waiting for you to show up for your cousin's birthday party but also she was like the most one of the most famous musicians in the world at that time like pop stars and everyone's like she's so hot and i was like she's very normal in real life and people would often ask me like the oh because sometimes you'd be like is she's like so hot and i'd be like she's pretty doughy she's like she's totally normal and they'd be like no no she looks so hot and i'm like i didn't say she's not hot but i was like she's also normal i was like i could cut bacon off of her back (laughs) i used to say that as a joke because people wouldn't believe that she didn't have this like unrealistic body and i was like yes she does in some ways have an unrealistic body because she is like exquisitely proportioned according to how some people like their proportions but i was like in reality she seems like a regular young woman who is concerned about her body and also the most famous person that you know you'd imagine she's turning down every offer in the world and here she was hurt on the phone because she wasn't invited to you know a a relative's birthday party they just didn't even consider her because you know yeah i remembered the show that i really would hate to watch which one's that melrose place you know i've never seen melrose place and that is an ongoing joke that people have about how like there was a whole episode of seinfeld about how he pretended he didn't watch melrose place and then they put him in a lie detector machine a polygraph machine and they gave him this test and he immediately you know perry mason style admitted that he watched the show by being like how could this person do that to this you know with all the intricate details of what happens on a show like melrose place Mm -hmm. it sounds like fun like kathy said that she was watching it again and obviously she watched it the first time around and she's like i forgot how nuts it got and i was like that's pretty great that it holds up for being nutty because there are so many shows where the premise is like how off the rails can we get you know and so i think it's pretty great that it holds up for being nutty so many years after the fact But that being said, at the end of the day, I don't want to watch Melrose Place. Yeah. I heard someone say this. I think it might have been either Trixie or it might have been... Who's that guy that screams? Sam Kinison? Oh, Billy... Billy Billy on the street. Um, Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. It might have been one of them, too. They said, you don't know what it's like to be a gay person in olden times because... Imagine watching all of Melrose Place for just one pretend gay cast. Yeah, that's true. That is funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's the issue, that there was such little of the content that one had to sort of infer different things. Yeah. And that's one thing that they talk about in Cellular Closet and in also Visible, etc., about how even when the representations were unflattering, one craved them so badly. Yeah. Because lots of them were cartoonish. Lots of the first issues are very, like, swishy gay dudes that, you know, the joke is that they're gay or that they're very much like a woman in different ways. That something, you know, befalls them where they're just, like, not taken seriously. 
right? Yeah, I think it would be interesting for like a project to do to like look at queer representations across different countries and see how they relate and like maybe like create like something like that because like I know for a fact that like in Mexico where I grew up we we didn't have any sort of queer representations and like very classically like uh trans characters or cross-dressing characters would be like shown and it was, it was played for laughs they were seen as like maybe a little bit rapey often and sometimes very often the recipient of violence yeah yeah, that seemed like it was a big thing for a whole like era. They showed that any character that was trans or lesbian would also be some sort of psycho murderer who yeah. also gets murdered, you know. And yeah, I totally was unaware that like media seemed to often portray lesbians as like crazy killers. I think part of it is a built-in sort of prejudice that people are like they're extra crazy it's a woman and she likes women you know like <laughs> that whole that like sort of male-centric like yeah. wh- like she's being hysterical and she's not even a real regular woman like she's not even a proper right woman you know yeah and so i think that's part of how that view gets like foisted on it's very strange how something will happen in media and it will be repeated and done until there's a name for the trope i just think that so many of those things are so bizarre you know, like the magical Negro character. And I think that one thing that we'd been watching a little bit before, this isn't visible, but Key and Peele, mm-hmm. Key and Peele often refer to things that are outmoded in sort of like a funny way. Like there was one office skit where this one guy is basically caught between two dueling magical Negro characters who are going to help turn his life around, you know? And I was just like, it's so funny that they refer to these things so openly, you know? Yeah. Were there any shows that you were like, I can't believe that that actually, that XYZ happened on the things that we watched? How about this? How well did you know anything that they had been talking about? The gay guy from Hollywood Squares, who was also on all those other shows, like Bewitched. Oh, that guy? Yeah. I didn't know him at all. Wait, we recently tried watching the old Bewitched. Bewitched. Yeah. And and we hadn't even we watched like the first episode and we didn't even get to that guy's character. And then Yeah, his he's not a very major character in Bewitched. We watched such early days Bewitched that it was just you know, he had even a different boss at the beginning when we started watching it. So the gay actor that was on Hollywood Squares and all those other shows was Paul Lind, the one that talks like this, kind of, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think actually, as you called him before, the guy that shouts, Billy Eichner, is yeah. going to be playing him in a biopic that they're making. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they have kind of a similar vibe in, yeah. in certain ways. His life seemed really quite tragic and yeah. sad. I did feel for that. Watching Visible was both like sad and like inspiring because like we have come a long way, but also it felt like we're not quite there yet, even now. You know? Yeah. One thing that I thought was peculiar was that it seemed like in many ways someone thinking that you're gay could be harmful for your career unless that's all you did. Yeah. And that's obviously why, even to this day, lots of actors seemingly won't come out of the closet until they're they're pulled out by society or some situation or... Yeah. In some cases, it's bizarre. Like with Jodie Foster, because she never really said she wasn't and you know she seems to be doing everything quite openly she was just like it just doesn't really have anything to do with anything but they basically forced her to talk about it like i think one year at the the oscars or something and it's it almost seemed silly and she she kind of i think understood that it was silly but wow that she you know yeah i feel like that comes from like I feel like straight people's obsession to like label us and like to see us in a way that they're comfortable with, you know? Do you think that's what the whole coming out process is? Yeah. So you think it's a social contract? That's, I think, one of the things that people talk about with, you know, I guess with disclosure, it's sort of like people want you to... To say that what you are and how you feel and like how they should interact with you and on terms that they feel comfortable with right yeah like i feel like there's all this pressure you know about coming out and feeling like you know to come out and i think that the concept in many ways is very silly yeah you know of course 
Like one of the things that I feel like I will be happy because uh, my plan for having children is that one of the things that I want to do is at one point when they're like reaching like 13 or so, I'll be like, well, you don't ever need to come out to me. Like you can just date whomever you want and it not be a big deal if you ever want to have me meet them. I would be happy to accept anyone. Yeah, like that's one of the things when you're talking about you watch those shows just starved for that one moment of content. I like it in shows and I'm like, when will they get to the point where someone will have a relationship and they'll be casual about it and it's just sort of organic. In some ways, we're watching Revenge now. In some ways, Revenge does that. The one character, Nolan Ross, Mm -hmm. seems to not make a big deal out of it. He He likes men, he likes women, and... It's not really spoken about or referred to. It's not ever played for laughs. And he is not effeminized in any way, you know, besides that he's a scrawny computer geek who wears, like, absurd, yeah, (laughs) nonsensically expensive and bizarre outfits. Yeah. Like, what was he wearing that to that one party? It was like a sailor's outfit. But not a sailor's like, outfit. It like was a like a, a naval like blazer with gold with, epaulets and, and gold a, buttons. And, and a turtleneck sweater. Oh, and a turtleneck. Yeah, he looked some like a cross between a spy, a sea captain, you know, some, <laughs> something like that. And also like a, a rich person who didn't know the first thing about boats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but wanted to look like they could be on a boat. Yeah. Or to me, it seemed like he looked like the Scientology has their own Navy. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet one, I mean, they do have their own Navy. I'm being serious. It's called the Sea Org. But I feel like one of the like heads of one of the departments would be dressed like that, you know? Yeah. Did you know that Scientology had a, had a no, naval this arm? this is news to me. I think it was established because L. Ron Hubbard wanted to avoid taxes by being like, we're a naval organization, we're a naval religion, or something like that. And if you go into the Scientology Center building, you can look and see. I glanced down one time at the counter, and it said, I hereby pledge one billion years of service to the Sea Org. And there were contracts that people would legitimately sign. Could you imagine? Yeah. No. I feel like 800 million years from now, my reincarnations would be like, this guy really effed us here. (laughs) This guy. Who wrote that contract? The guy that got the blockbuster button on the Roku remote. That guy. The best contract lawyer ever. Because that button persists and blockbuster does not. Okay. Also, Visible, it was one of the things where I cried a bunch of times and so much of it was uplifting, both because of the horrors of earlier moments that one has to endure vicariously, and also because one can see, like, the miniaturized versions of those moments in one's own life and situations with the different way one has, like, aged and, like, come to terms with fitting into the world in that sort of particular manner. Yeah. I, as a young slash foreign person, was not familiar with many of the events that had transpired, including, like, all the very violent moments that I saw, like, Lynch, as he knew that they were going to start coming up. Like, the murder of... Um, Matthew Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. All of those things that you know what is going to happen, and you're like, they're like, and then... And you're like, oh, gosh, right. Yeah. What a nightmare. And, like, for me, the first moment that I was able to understand in that way was, like, the pulse shooting, because I was in this country when that happened. And I remember watching it on the news and being, like, really kind of disappointed and, like, wanting to go back into the closet and being like, I don't feel safe anymore what am i gonna do like it wasn't only just a gay night it was a gay slash latin night which is my demographic which worried me especially yeah it's also because for me i think about my awareness of some other cultures and i'm like they sometimes you know it's strange one has an internal date and clock for different situations you know like sometimes when i'm like oh i've been traveling through the south let's roll that back a little bit and be extra on our p's and q's because you don't want someone to you know just bash you for no good reason or you know well they think it's a good reason but you know and then there's other situations when i'm like latin people and sometimes in african-american culture i'm like oh my god it's so much harder because they seem in some ways like it is in some groups that you know are widespread enough it seems like very 
very okay to have a very openly negative attitude towards homosexuality still. You know, when I was a driver on set a year and a half ago, whenever that was, I was talking to one of the people that I'd picked up, and this was a job that I get, and it's with Latin American people, and so I sort of really enjoy it because I get to speak Spanish with some of them, and some of them don't think I speak Spanish, you know, because I speak like a bit of a gringo. This guy found out I was Colombian, and he was like, oh, Colombian, so, you know, like, he used a slang word for homosexuals that apparently is popular in Colombia, and he's like, oh, like, you talk like a Colombian, you say this, and I was, like, a little bit horrified. I was like, how does this person think that that's acceptable for it to be, like, the third thing he says to me, you know? So, I don't know. I was sort of like, and I know that it was this word. Do you know what I'm talking about? Zero idea what a Colombian slur for gay people is. Well, I think what he was saying was marica. Oh, yeah. Because I know specifically, I think that it's maricon, but I think that for some reason, one of the slurs in Colombia is like the way he'd said it. And I was like, I think that's what that means. I'm not 100% certain because... You know what that means? Ladybug. Maricon? Yeah. No, marica is a ladybug. Marica. Really? I think so. Maybe I'm wrong, though. If it's wrong, we'll edit it out. Don't worry. It might be, and I might have asked my parents how to say ladybug one time, because I think we'd been discussing it, and I don't know. I don't know if they said that, or it I don't might, remember if I actually had the conversation with It them. might even be mariquita. I think that might be it. Yeah. Right? Either way, when he said that, I was sort of, like, horrified, because I was like, wow, he feels that comfortable and open just to be like, oh, you know? Like, imagine if someone was like, oh, you're from, you're from, you're from this part of the world, so you say faggle, and be like, whoa, calm down. I mean, yes, I do. No, I'm just kidding. But I just thought that it was bizarre, and I was like, that's why sometimes when I watch things or think about different situations, I'm like, imagine rolling back, like, the internal clock to, you know? Yeah. 1950 or whatever, depending on where you are in the world, you know? It seems horrific. Yeah. What else was good about either visible or disclosure? And again, both were good. Both were good for different well, things. we've mostly talked about visible. So yeah. now let's go on and talk about more specifics on how disclosure was different. Because as we've mentioned before, a lot of what was in disclosure had been covered in visible. But they did mention a bunch of other stuff, like how like some of the first film things included like a trans person, but it was like played for laughs. And then one thing that I liked about Disclosure was like how that dude who was on Survivor, who also on his season of Survivor, he was outed as a transsexual by like another member of the LGBT community. Yeah, didn't you think, we watched that when it happened, yeah, right? we watched that when it happened. It was so weird, because the person was like, uh, if you think that like you're being open, then how come you haven't told people this thing about yourself? And I almost feel like as they were saying it, they were like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. It was received so poorly. They went home. They didn't even vote for him. Like on Survivor, you vote who goes home. They didn't even vote. They just sent him home. (laughs) Really? Yes. Jeff was like, we don't need to vote for who comes. And he looked at him and then he he was like, okay, fine. And then they sent him home without a vote. I really don't remember that. This is exactly what happened. Your memory. I'm 100% certain. Your memory is fantastic with all sorts of things. Leo can always, I'm always like, whoa, who won this challenge versus this? And he'll be like, this person, they wore this, you know, with every detail. Eureka did this. Yeah, and sure, you really like drag race, and but your memory sometimes is astounding. So if you're saying that that happened, was it because everyone turned on him and was immediately yeah, like, it, why are you saying this? Because there was other, also an, other people who were queer on that panel, and like they were like, you can't just go out and out someone like that. And like he was immediately voted off. Not even voted off, just like booed off. The yeah, show. the room changed so palpably that he just left the show, essentially. Yeah. Left the show with everyone blessing yeah anyway i was talking about this dude and his thing that he said on disclosure was that like one of his favorite movies as a child was basically like ended with the scene of like people throwing up at the idea of a trans person yeah that stuff's rough yeah you know there is a very old example of the idea of transness or homosexuality in a way and again i i always when referring to things sometimes hate to be clunky but sometimes one is referring to an older era when it's ambiguous what they were saying and how things were treated you know but at the end of some like it hot you know some like it hot yeah i've i've seen some like it hot yeah. Did we watch it together? No. no. We've just seen something. I saw it in a theater class. 
cool. Yeah. So In Some Like It Hot is a classic movie where two men, to avoid detection from possibly organized crime, yeah. I can't remember this point, dress as women and join this like band, right? Yeah. And Marilyn at, Monroe's in it. Marilyn Monroe's in it. She's very sexy. And then at the end, the two have been playing women and the one is with Marilyn Monroe, I think, right? The yeah. one is like gets together with her and the other one has been pretending to be Jack Lemon has been pretending to be a woman and there's this rich guy kind of like a nonsensically wealthy person you know hitting on yeah. him like repeatedly and Jack Lemon's character keeps trying to get out of it by being like oh I don't know I, I don't think this I don't think that and then finally fed up he's like well I'm a man and he takes off his wig yeah. and the rich guy's like eh. He's like nobody's perfect, or everyone, yeah. something like that, you know. And then they look at the camera, and then they they they, they mug, out. zoom in, fisheye. No, yeah. I don't remember what happened it's exactly. <laughs> but either way, the point is, it's played for laughs, as if yeah. you would be like, well, you know, sure, every wife would have their problems. But in some ways, I think that that was very cool and very forward. Yeah. You know, because it's sort of like I think that that kind of thing, like one's casual attitude towards things, is so helpful and so refreshing you know because obviously it would be different if if on the spot he started getting bashed (laughs) sure i was gonna say it'd be different if the point of the movie was about their you know their romance but obviously it's not it was just sort of like a casual moment of being like wow this guy is so like easygoingly like eccentric you know yeah from what I heard from my theater teacher when this was being taught to me, he was basically like, it seems like he was the whole time looking for someone who was like manly. Like it might have been his design to just like look for a man in a dress. He was going for the closest approximation that he could have yeah. in that time that was acceptable. You know, one time a friend said this to another friend. He was like, you're so beautiful and I think that you have such a fascinating personality. If this were the era where I had to marry a woman, I would be pursuing you and I would want to marry you. And I turned to him and I was like, I think it's really nice that you would ruin her life because she is no. like the most acceptable thing. And obviously it's a joke, but... Yeah. There are some situations where a person would be like, I must marry properly, you know? But she was very beautiful and also a lot of fun, but still. Theme song. (laughs) I also feel like Disclosure, because it was shorter, it was harder for it to... Make an impact. Well, make as much of an impact with certain things because they invisible, they really teased out certain things, like you said, and there were certain things where you know you brace yourself because you remember xyz you know one of the things that was interesting in disclosure disclosure and visible both had a bunch of overlap in like the people that were interviewed like the woman from dirty sexy money um who is the woman from dirty sexy money she oh candace kane candace kane yeah candy kane oh and she told that story where on her very first line of dialogue they dramatically dropped the register of her voice so that she would seem more mannish to hit people over the head with that. And I could see how that would be distressing, for sure. One of the things I hated on Disclosure, not uh, about Disclosure, but that was showcased in Disclosure, was that they were casting a movie about a trans woman, and they rejected an actual trans woman because she didn't look trans enough. Yeah, because she was too feminine. Yeah. Like, you're too beautiful and too feminine. What a nightmare. Yeah, that is really horrible. We've discussed on the show before the idea of who is allowed to play whom, you know, and because it seems very big in the trans world to be like no trans role should be played by someone who isn't trans and again it's like you said yes to a certain point it's acting but there are trans actors why would you not hire someone who can connect that intimately with that idea yeah i also think that that was one thing that disclosure did well right they highlighted all these cis white men or cis men playing trans characters They did. That that was something that was missing from Visible. Yeah. Or at least done much better yeah. in, in disclosure. disclosure. But the thing to me is, in some way I feel that actors are not the most important part of the puzzle. I feel like there should be more trans filmmakers and writers who can be telling stories 
besides the the major idea of becoming uh you know trans yeah or not becoming trans but like of you know in some ways reaffirming their gender or what have you that was a great segment on like basically the carmen carrera and candace kane were having an interview on a daytime talk show and like basically they asked them both the same question like oh how's the surgery or like i hear you had the surgery and like they were immediately like talking about surgical procedures diminishes the value of transness and like leads the conversation into a place where like they can't get their issues out and is a way to like fantasize them no um fetishize them or sort of it's a way to box them in and also to a very reductive thing to make it seem that it is only a question of genitalia and you know that you know reaffirmation and in many ways i'm always like how are people feeling so comfortable to just be like what do you have down there you know yeah i feel like that's about as normal as if someone was like just curious wanted to see you know i'd be like that how is that like appropriate i feel like straight people now in the era of like drag race is popular are like being comfortable with like being like are you a top or are you a bottom and that's like that's like too far as well in a different way yeah we talked about that last episode like again in some ways i prefer it when people are chill and it's you know more easygoing but i also think it is a bit bizarre that people feel that bold to do those things i am waiting for a straight person to ask me this because if it's a woman i'm excited to be like well do you take dick in your vagina or in your anus and just to see reflect back at them like the The thing is i don't think that's perfectly analogous because it's not perfectly analogous but it's also like intrusive in the way that that would be you know yeah yeah i said one time someone was like oh did you see see these nude photos of like i think it was jennifer lawrence you know and i was like i don't really like go looking for celebrity nudes i think she's super hot and you know what i mean this and that and actually someone did show me incidentally someone just showed me like one of them and i was like oh okay she's actually like so super hot you know but that being said i sort of feel that anyone who has seen a celebrity's nudes should offer them if they ever have the chance to show them your nudes or to let them look at your naked celebrities would not have that like oh i imagine how many people would show like people already send enough unsolicited dick pics as it that's the thing while i think it's good conceptually i think in practice only the creeps would take it you know only the creeps would be like i've got to show you my dick because yeah i looked at yours you know that being said jennifer lawrence if i ever meet you fine i did see one of your nudes you were beautiful you can see mine in person or on picture you know (laughs) it's tough to compete she you know yeah is really well built you know yeah that's the thing i guess if people are like asking trans people about their genitals trans people should feel more comfortable being like what about you you got like crazy big like floppy lips or something (laughs) 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 what's your vagina like i follow plenty of trans people on twitter and you know one is a friend and sometimes they post things that are so funny that like one time she referred to I think her, she's like, I've got a brand new aftermarket vagina with like very low mileage. And I thought that was so funny. But I'd say both visible and disclosure are totally worth watching. Yeah. But would you say the disclosure first? No, I liked visible first. Yeah. I guess that's true. Visible, because then it takes the one idea that it was maybe underrepresented and gets and into yeah, it deeper. Yeah, dives it in deeper. Too. True. Gosh, I do wish we could ask people about their genitals. No? Mm. What's up? You got huge lips. Like, oh, uncut? <laughs> that, that is an important question. And I understand how, and I mean, I understand how on dating sites for people that, you know, have this preference, it's a more appropriate and a more normal question. Yeah. But obviously. I, I feel like, yeah, if you're asking about their genitals, it's because you're trying to sleep with them, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times I think people, if it's a, it should a be dating or a, or a sure. hookup app, will have a preference or people just have some sort of a preference. And, like, it seems to me, like, totally normal and appropriate. I'm talking about more, like, the flip way that people are like, so, have you had the surgery? Or or are you top, you know, are you top or bottom? That kind of idea, like, when someone does that, to be like, oh, free reign, you know? Get it out. Let's dock. (laughs) Ooh. You know, one time a friend, I don't know how the term docking came up, but we had to explain it to them. And 
it seemed so difficult for them to wrap their heads around and then they would like joke around about it and bring it up and I thought that it was totally fine and funny because that's one of the things that when people tell me I'm like but why would you do it like what and someone one time was like it's like hot you're like all closing up on in each other and I was like I guess but there are other ways to do it that are seem hotter and someone one time was like oh well it's cool for like a circumcised guy to feel like he's uncut for like a minute or for whatever and I was like I guess but still it seems like one of those things that I'm like are people actually into this not to begrudge anyone you know what they enjoy well you know not to begrudge many things that people enjoy but I feel like that's one of the things that I just like I just you know fine I just don't get how it's would be good Welcome to Talk Sucker. As always, I'm P, and I'm here with Leo. We've been talking a little bit about visible disclosure today and other things, anything that relates, you know. Is there anything else that you want to mention? Yeah. On Visible, they talked about queer as folk, and like Godzilla had a queer character. <laughs> That's true. Well, Godzilla had a queer actor, not a queer character. Oh, unless you're talking about that. Godzilla th- is queer. Didn't they make some thing where it was like the child of Godzilla was trans or something like that? <laughs> and I'm being serious. Zero right? idea. I thought it was like a big thing that happened semi-recently that it was like a short film of some sorts where it was like the offspring of Godzilla and the offspring was trans. Or so I might be totally misremembering. Anyway, and I was going to say you were talking about queer as folk. Sorry. Yeah, because I have a friend and she recommended that I see the first episode and she showed it to me. Of queer as folk. Queer as folk. And which is like a show of like just like gay guys going to clubs and like hooking up with each other. And like there was like a bunch of gay sex. And I was like, what? I, I didn't even know this was possible to have this on a format that you could watch you know did you watch the original british version or the remade american version i think i was watching the remade american version do you know who plays like the hot sexy the hottest gay dude in the american version you know who his version was in the british version little finger little finger from game of thrones yeah aiden gillen yeah yeah And anyway, we got to talking during the break about, like, how, like, straight women are sometimes, like, attracted to, like, watching gay porn as opposed to, like, straight porn, which I I feel like it's, it's kind of weird. But at the same time, like, straight guys like watching lesbian porn. And my response to this when you said this, I said, you can totally understand how if you like one of something, two of something in a porn might be better or not bad, you know? Yeah, but, like, also... Part of it that that it makes it weird is that, like, all porn is made for men. Like, lesbian porn is made for men, not lesbians. And, like, straight porn is made for men, and gay porn is made for gay men, you know? Huh. So, like, no porn is made for women, or with women in mind, whatsoever. But what do you honestly think is the amount of porn that's made with women in mind? Zero. Literally, you think, nope, you think as an afterthought, they'd be like, some women also might be into it. No. They don't even think that as an afterthought, women will be into it. They're just like, yeah, this, this is for the, men. It's primarily for men. Well, you remember that the porn for women on 30 Rock was that handsome guy asking you about your day. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a funny way to put it. But like, I feel like women can sometimes be more attracted to like eroticism, which is can, is not always necessarily present in like porns and stuff. Like that. that's why I feel like a more womanly thing for for like lack of a better term is like books that are like erotic in nature you know i also feel that i could see a woman connecting to erotic literature more because of the way they like to gain information about the sexiness of a subject and the way that books are great for doing that and the the stream that they find like very engaging you know talking about this porn you know eroticism One time, and I know that this is weird, but the younger brother of a significant other was like, you have to watch, like, porn. Like, porn is so hot, you have to watch it. And he put a porn on for us. And the first maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds were actually really quite sexy. Like, something about the way he grabbed her and, like, started kissing this woman. I was like, felt something. And I was like, oh, maybe some porn is kind of hot. And, like... I was like, I can't believe, you know, 
her brother was right. And then he immediately, like, they both started, like, went from zero to 100 miles an hour doing, like, the grossest stuff. And we were just so instantly turned off. Because I think at, at the very beginning, he grabs her and, like, is passionately kissing this woman. And something about the way that he caressed her also seemed, like, very, like, erotically charged. And then he just, like, slapped her ass and immediately started to dry finger her button, like, so hardcore in such a hideous way, moving it around, like, as some sort of, like, bizarre video game controller. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I was like, obviously, to humor her brother. And again, we weren't doing anything sexy. Like, there was, like, another roommate there, and we were, like, maybe eating dinner or something like that, you know? (laughs) It was just, like, an exercise in him being, like, porn is hot for XYZ reasons and this and that. And one of the reasons that he kept trying to sell us on this guy was he's like oh his cum shot is so fantastic it is like a super soaker it's from across the room he can time it from across the room he can like hit you in the eye at 300 paces all this sort of nonsense he was saying and then the guy just did one of those where he's like totally like moaning and groaning like an animal and has a pathetic little dribble sort of like <laughs> eating out and he was like yeah this one wasn't that good and I, we were like but this is the <laughs> one you chose to show us after going on about this guy's like intense ejaculation for so long yeah And so the thing is, I guess, like, for a second, I thought that it was hot. Well, yeah. About porn, one of the things is that, like, sometimes you have to act with porn actors you don't like. But you have to pretend like you like this person that you don't get along with. Which I think is so bizarre. See, I have heard about, I have known some people that worked on porn. And they all have a personal, like, won't work with list. You know? And some of them, I think, are, you know preference and and others i think are just like i don't get along with this person you know one thing that i think is weird is that i obviously don't do porn but i feel that if i did porn i would exclusively do porn with people that i really wanted to sleep with and obviously many hypotheticals in this situation the situation that it'd be a working porn actor getting all sorts of offers and not just having to do whatever and being like oh i'm in this video today and that video tomorrow because i'm just like checking the boxes doing the rounds because i think lots of times with new porn actors they do have to like make the rounds being like oh well i'm doing the thing where you know the bus picks me up and i pretend like i'm getting having sex by accident and then i'm doing the thing where like these people you know it's like they just like go from like new thing to new thing where they're always looking for like new fresh faces you know yeah but i personally would be like oh i i couldn't i know it's you're doing it on film and as a job but like oh is it worth it if you're not doing it with someone that you actually want to do it with then it's literally it's just a job ew (laughs) (laughs) why would you ruin something that's great and free by making it a job and then being like oh and i have to do these horrible things with people i don't like yeah Hmm. what about you well you cast a wide net so if you did porn you'd probably do porn with people that you like and you wouldn't run out of those for quite some time Yeah. yeah for sure Uh, Women, though, I would not do women. But that's probably would be because you might not be able to, right? Yeah, of course I wouldn't be able to. Yeah, You have to have a huge dick for that. I don't think so, because I think lots of them are tiny. For straight porn? I feel like... Again, I think I knew this woman that worked in porn, and she was absolutely miniature... And she's like, as long as it's average sized and you're not camera shy. Because I think at one point there was a large issue with someone would be really psyched on the concept of doing porn. But then come time, they're on yeah. set, there's cameras and strangers around and a yeah. craft services table. They couldn't get an erection. But the producers that I've known have been like, oh, that's why we love like the Viagra Cialis stuff now. He's like, it's like so helpful. And like, even I think mentally to help someone, let yeah. them feel like they will have like a yeah. crazy erection. I feel like I'd rather... I would just take a placebo and be like, this placebo is going to get me hard. Because, like, placebos work even... Oh, Leo, fact of the day. Doop, no, doop, doop, it's, doop. it's science facts with Leo. Science <laughs> facts with Leo. Doop, 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 doop. Science fact of the day. There's evidence to suggest that placebos work even if you know it's a placebo. So, like, if you take, like, something on a regular schedule and you expect a certain outcome in certain situations it can help you achieve that like for example if you take like an m&m before you study you could be able to train your body to be like this is going to be a focus time and then focus up and study even though it's an m&m i'll say though that the specific thing that you said to me seems more like self-hypnosis like a a pavlov's response like a pavlovian response sort of like self-hypnosis slash 
training for the thing as opposed to being like i'm gonna eat one m&m at night right before sleep and it's gonna it burns calories because you know what i mean for whatever random yeah. thing because i think if you're doing something with the thought of like this signals that i've entered a time when i'm serious and focused yeah. you can train your mind to associate that and to like go into it yeah i think but like basically the effects that can be observed by the placebo effect are possible even still when the placebo is openly disclosed as a placebo if you explain how the procedure will work even as the placebo takes effect we should sell placebo and label it placebo yeah and we'll be like we know that it does nothing but also it works (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay one other thing about visible and disclosure was the thing with the trans people in media always getting like hurt or maligned as insane and you know murdered and violence done to them did you know that in 42 states there is a valid and used legal defense called trans panic where someone will quote unquote maybe find out that someone is like trans or gay and they have more legal grounds to have accidentally murdered them because <sighs> of finding that out Obviously, it seems like one of those things that happens, like, you know, I think a common situation that I read about, obviously, I'm obviously it happens in every variety, but would be someone picking someone up and doing something intimate with them and then finding out and being like horrified and confused and, you know, so upset. But it's so bizarre. There's only five states where it's illegal to use that as an excuse. And there's something like 42 where it is off, not maybe not often, but where it is somewhat regularly used and just seems like this is acceptable that is a nightmare that is soul crushing because like that to me was the most upsetting part of paris is burning where like this like young woman who was full of hope about like being like a rich woman like during the course of the movie she is murdered at violently because they found out that she was a trans woman after after or like during sleeping with her or whatever. Do you remember this? Yeah. And I was going to say that that's one of the things that Pose did really well. Yeah. Was showing that that fear that at any moment you could disappear for this. And it does happen to one of the sex workers, I believe. You know, whenever they're going to take a walk, sometimes they're like, you cannot just be walking with like a random person. Imagine that fear of being like, it is dangerous to my life to take a stroll with a person that's interested in me and hitting on me. Yeah. Also, we're just going to throw this in here because we can. It's our podcast. Recently on Canada's Drag Race. We've never talked about Canada's Drag Race before on this show. Boa was talking about how she was assaulted by someone she brought home. You remember this? Yeah. And where it wasn't someone finding out, but it was... Maybe it was someone who... Like, Bo was on a date with them, and then Bo was like, I... I don't want this to go any further, right? Yeah. I, I don't remember the, the exact of it, but then yeah, all of those things are such a nightmare to think about. Have you liked Canon Drag Race? The last couple episodes got a little bit better, but also the judges did some things that I really, that obviously many people on the internet and we also personally disagreed with. RuPaul is the show, and not having her there really limits the scope of the puns. The puns that RuPaul brings to the table are incredible. She is really witty and quick on her feet, and the show definitely has a dramatically diminished like humor content when she is not there. Yeah. They brought on Brooklyn Heights as the host. Brooklyn Heights on her season was known for dating Banji. <laughs> That's a bit mean. She's known for that afterwards, I think. But still, I think the thing is is that lots of the judges that they've had are fans of the show, but sort of fans of the show and not super fans. And also kind of funny, but not the funniest person yeah. being funny. How they all seem when they make those quick, like, quips. Like, although I will say that even though, like, for the most recent episode of drag race the host was john green tom green Green. whoops (laughs) and as soon as i saw that it was john green he's like Uh, tom green john tom green he was like does canada not have any more celebrities (laughs) just because tom green was so big for a moment so long ago yeah you had never even heard of him yeah i saw him on big brother when he was on that and even then he he wasn't a he didn't make a big impact 
in his show, he did some stuff that was really avant-garde comedy, like adjet, <laughs> outsider performance art comedy. And some of it works really well. Some of it obviously doesn't land. And some of it hasn't aged well, I'm sure. I haven't watched it in a million years. But one of the things that was good about him uh, as, as a host was that he called his mother to send him a picture that his outfit that he wore in, in like a school play as a child matched what boa was wearing which was pretty hilarious and because boa was wearing a very specific outfit it was all blue with like giant protrusions coming from the shoulders with strips of blue hanging down and tom green calls his mother on speakerphone and he's like do you remember that halloween like what a dress does she's like you dressed as the wind. And he's like, could you describe the outfit? And she described exactly what Bo was wearing, then sent the photograph, and it was <laughs> as identical as you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty great moment. One of the things that I, that is totally lovely about Canada Drag Race is that the host plays the RuPaul role, which I, I was worried that it was going to be Brooklyn Heights every single week, and it isn't. So it's it's better. That is nice. I think that that's a nice touch as well. Yeah. Because that way you're, like, oh, saying how they would handle this. The, you know. the RuPaulisms. Yeah, the RuPaul role. And obviously, rather big shoes to fill. No offense to RuPaul's foot size. Yeah. I know that might be a sensitive issue with drag queens. But figuratively, large shoes to fill. Yeah. All right. Well, is that it? Is there anything else? Because I feel like this was just sort of going to be, like, a visible slash... Disclosure. ...episode. And anything else that came off of it organically. But besides that, I think, you know... Yeah. All right. Well, uh, again, this was Talk Sucker, episode 23, I believe. Yeah. I'm, I'm P. I'm Leo. And thanks for joining us. Bye. 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 Bye.